Welcome to Fear Free Childbirth Podcast with Alexia Leachman, the weekly nine-month podcast to help parents-to-be look forward to their fear-free childbirth. Alexia is a pregnancy and head trash clearance coach and the author of Fear Free Childbirth, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy and a Positive Pain-Free Birth. As a mum who's had two fear-free and pain-free births, Alexia wants to share with you how she overcame her pregnancy and childbirth fears so that you can look forward to having a fear-free birth too. Over the nine-month life of this podcast, Alexia will be sharing some real-life stories from mums and dads, insights into the latest childbirth research, inspiring tales from birth professionals, and some tips and techniques for clearing your fears and stresses. If you would like to receive a free chapter from her book, then head over to fearfreechildbirth.com, where you can also sign up for her email series, How to Have a Stress-Free Pregnancy. But now, it's time for the show. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, here we are at episode 40 of the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast, and that means one thing. That means that we've come to the end of the first season of the podcast. And I thought I would finish the season with my own birth story. I realised that throughout the whole of the series, I've been hinting at my own birth story, my own journey of my births and my pregnancies, but I hadn't really shared the whole thing with you. So I thought it'd be really nice to finish with my own story. But what I didn't want to do was just sit here on my own chatting about my birth because that would just be a bit weird. Um, So I wanted to find a guest host for today's show and I knew exactly who I wanted uh, the minute I realised I needed a guest host. And the person I wanted was somebody that I actually invited to share her birth story very, very early on in the podcast. And and this is Jennifer Nesbitt-Holt. Jennifer had a lovely birth story and um, she's also a fellow podcaster. So I thought that she would be the perfect guest host and I was absolutely delighted when she agreed to do the job and she's done a fantastic job. So in a moment I'm going to be handing over to the time that Jennifer interviewed me about my own birth stories. But before we go to that, before I hand you over to that, I do have some shout outs from some emails that I've received in the last week. And these are emails, again, I just love receiving your emails. So if you want to email me and tell me how the podcast is helping you or where you're at on your pregnancy journey, you know, whatever it is, then please don't hesitate to email me because I love, love reading your emails. So my first shout out goes to Abby in Sydney. And Abby, well, when I got your email, Abby, I really, it really did bring a tear to my eye. Abby was telling me that she was scared of everything to do with the baby, with pregnancy, the childbirth, her guilt for not feeling happy like a normal pregnant woman when she was first pregnant. And for her, her early part of her pregnancy was a really horrible time. But then she discovered the podcast, which was in week 16 of her pregnancy. And she's now at 23 weeks and she's just been digesting all of the podcasts and reading everything on the website non-stop apparently and now she says it's completely changed her outlook on everything and she's starting to feel in control of her body and her mind again and she finishes by telling me and this is a bit that just gives me goosebumps she says I feel like a warrior woman who will be able to birth my son without fear and I just love that I love the idea that she feels like a warrior woman which is just fantastic so Abby I'm 
just so grateful that you took the time to email me. And I'm sure that, you know, other women hearing your story about how you managed to turn things around by really just focusing on all the positive stuff is going to be really inspiring to them too. So thank you, Abby, for taking the time to email me. And then I also want to say hello to Jessica, who's in Western Australia. There's also two ladies from Oz emailing me this week, and she's 16 weeks pregnant with her first. And she's surrounded by friends who have all opted for elective C-sections because apparently it's the most convenient thing to do. She can't think of anything more terrifying. And to be honest, neither could I. And I totally agree with you, Jessica. And she loves listening to the positive natural birthing stories that we're sharing here on the podcast and the insightful interviews. And um, she was saying that she lives in remote Western Australia. And once a week, she's got a two and a half hour drive to a neighbouring town and she listens to the podcast on the drive. So thank you, Jessica, for emailing me and letting me know that this podcast has helped you to make a great decision about how you'd like your birth to go and, and certainly to try and avoid the elective C-section route, which I think is a very wise decision. So thank you. Thank you. And then finally, a hello to Catherine. And Catherine's saying she's feeling much more relaxed about the idea of childbirth now. And she loves hearing all the positive stories. And in the beginning, she thought she would choose an epidural right from the start. But now she's really keen to try a natural birth, especially because she wants to avoid the intervention cascade. And Catherine, that is exactly what my perspective was when I was first pregnant. I was like, I'm going to go for the epidural. I don't want any pain. I'll take anything that's going all the drugs. And and I managed to turn it around too. So there's absolutely no reason why you can't turn that around too, Catherine. So good luck with your birth. So thank you for sending in your emails. I really do enjoy reading them. I really do. So don't stop emailing me just because uh, there isn't a weekly podcast episode coming out. I still want to hear from you. I still want to know how you're getting on. And I still want to know what challenges you're facing because I am preparing season two. So if there are any topics or any aspects of pregnancy or birth that you want to find out more about, that you're curious to learn more about, if there are any guests that you think would make really great guests on the show, then let me know. I really am interested to find out what you want to know more about, people that you think would make great guests, all that kind of stuff. I'm really, I'm all ears. But if you just want to talk to me about your pregnancy, tell me how it's going for you, then do that too. Please don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, So now anyway, I'm going to hand over to the time that I was spoken to about my birth. And there's, after I've listened to this again, I feel like I've missed out so much and there's so much more that I want to say. But you know, we have got to draw the line somewhere. So I hope that you enjoy listening to me sharing my own birth story as I chat to Jennifer Nesbitt Holt. Here you go. Hello, we are switching things up over here at Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. My name is Jennifer Nesbitt Holt, and I will be your guest host today as we hear Alexia Leachman's beautiful journey of birth. So, Alexia, how are you doing today? This is uh, interesting to be in the seat of the one being interviewed. It is. I'm really doing, I'm doing absolutely fabulously. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for um, coming on the show and, and talking to me about my birth. I really appreciate it. Well, you gave me such an amazing opportunity to share my birth story at the beginning of the season, and I was so honored to receive contact from you to to come on here and tell people your story. So thanks for having me on. Not my pleasure, my pleasure. So you have quite an interesting story, and I know reading through a lot of what you've experienced was similar 
to what I had experienced in my journey. And I'd want you know everyone here today to hear about when you first found out you were pregnant, how that experience was for you. And then what we'll do is we'll just take it up into the present. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so, good. Sounds okay. Good. Okay, great. Well, the first time that I found out I was pregnant was, and I have to be honest here, it was complete and utter shock. I was floored and it wasn't in a good way, actually. It was, you know, my, me and my other half, we weren't kind of planning a family. We, you know, I didn't even know if he wanted kids really. So it was a real, I, he took a photo of me at that time and the look on my face just says it all. I looked like the colour had been drained. It was just <laughs> such, like, such a, I don't know, a weird day. It was a very strange day. And it quickly moved on to having to, you know, go to the doctor and find out what's my due date? What What is this? What, what happens when you're pregnant? And all the panics. I, I was actually really panicky in those first few weeks of my first pregnancy. It was kind of awful, actually. I really, really felt quite, quite awful at that point in time. So Lex, why don't you share with us about that shock? You know, what it felt like, uh, what was going through your head since you weren't prepared to be pregnant? I think because I hadn't planned for it and because it was such a a monumental thing to happen. You know, when you find out that you're pregnant, it's quite big. And because we weren't trying, I had, I think all my fears just piled in all at once and I just couldn't make sense of any of them. And it just kind of showed up as real panic for me. Mm. And I wasn't really able to um, stay there very long because I suddenly got roped into that whole process when you go and see the doctor and then try and understand what your due date is. And they ask you when your last period was and and all that kind of stuff. And it was very difficult because I'd been traveling for a lot and they were sort of making guesstimates as to how far gone I was based on touching me around the belly. And 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 the midwife and the doctor were both making wildly inaccurate guesses because they were suggesting that I'd become pregnant when I was traveling around Vietnam and I was nowhere near my, <laughs> my other half at the time. And I was like, well, I know that I... I know that nothing happened in Vietnam, you know, so it was a very sort of, I don't know, confusing time for me emotionally, but also trying to figure out when exactly my life was going to be completely disrupted with the arrival of this little one, you know. And so that whole period, I think for about two, three weeks was just a bit murky. Mm. Um, And then, you know, a lot of these visits to the hospital meant that we had to keep going for scans because they were trying to really figure out what my due date would be and it was while we were going through all those scans that we later found out well very soon found out that the little baby hadn't made it and mm-hmm. and then I ended up miscarrying and so then I was then thrust from this sort of murky emotional mess of panicky horrid to oh my goodness it's no longer here you know it yeah. she what you know and then the whole loss that comes with that which was not pleasant either so it was a very dark time my first pregnancy actually I I can completely understand uh that that experience you know it's and it's looking back did you feel that you know this even the emotions that were happening in that pregnancy it's interesting energetically what can tell the story or what Mm. can tell the story of what is going to happen and um, I don't know I, I, if that makes any sense, but um, so it's similar that after the fact, I realized this was not the time, you know, this was, 
but it needed to happen. Yeah. And I, I totally feel that way about my first pregnancy. I wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. We know we hadn't had the kids conversation. I hadn't made space in my life for a baby, even though I, on some level, I wanted to have children. I hadn't consciously made the deliberate decision that I wanted kids. I hadn't, I hadn't stated that openly and and as a relation in a couple we hadn't had that conversation so it, mm-hmm. that that baby wasn't conceived in the right energy it wasn't conceived yeah. in desire it wasn't conceived in it was in desire of course but not in desire for baby and that that one month of or six weeks as it panned out in terms of you know the whole miscarriage process that you go through was very important thing for me to go through those experiences of losing and and, and realizing when I was losing it suddenly that actually I wanted this a lot we both wanted it a lot and and so if I hadn't gone through that darkness then I wouldn't have realized how much I wanted this and therefore Mm -hmm. started making room in both our lives for a baby to be there and that's what we did we ended up buying a house together we kind of solidified our relationship we got engaged um set a date for the wedding and you know suddenly our whole relationship took on a whole new dimension as a result of that that Mm -hmm. little baby that came in all very briefly um and served a very noble purpose you know and i'm very grateful that that i had that experience now looking back such such a beautiful story that emerges out of you know a time of chaos mm. and loss so uh, yeah well how long then after was it that you got pregnant for the second time exactly a year to the day i noticed the exact same pregnancy symptoms i had like, oh wow were like killing <laughs> and i was like Oh my goodness, I know what that is this time. Because the first time when I was pregnant, I thought I was coming down with breast cancer. You know, I lost my mother to breast cancer and I heard Mm -hmm. that painful breasts is a symptom. So when I first was pregnant, I went to the doctor saying, you need to test me for breast cancer. And she went, have you done a pregnancy test? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So this time around when I got achy boobs, I was like, I'm pregnant. And I was this time where I was absolutely elated and I was delighted and in joy but that that moment of joy was equally like literally two seconds behind it was this moment of shock again, not shock, but sort of fear. And it's like, oh, I, that that means I'm going to have to have a give birth. And, and and so I couldn't enjoy that joy fully because it was also weighed down with this kind of fear and I don't know, it was just fear. And I couldn't quite figure out why I was scared. It was very unsettling for me, that pregnancy in the early days, as I was trying to wrestle with my head. I was like, hang on a minute, I th- I want this. What's the problem? What's the yeah. problem, Lex? Why are, you, why are you struggling with this? And so trying to make sense of that was really quite hard for me at that time. Welcome to motherhood, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it we're com- like, yeah, we're walking around in a constant state of shock and fear. <laughs> Don't say this to new mums, don't say it. No, I know, I know, just so kidding. Um, You know, and I can only imagine that there was that hidden fear too of, well, I had a miscarriage and and will that be the same situation here? Um, And I I don't know if that fear was there for you 
But tell us a little bit more about that because you are such a beautiful expert in helping women release the fear from your own experience, your own journey. And I know that's how you formulated the course Fearless Birthing. Um, but what was it about your experience here that, that you were able to get past that? Well, in that first trimester, I was f- that, that fear of miscarrying was massive for me. It was really, really big. But I was also trying to figure out what, what else was bothering me. Why else was I feeling? What was this negative feeling that I was feeling? And yes, there was miscarriage there, but there was something else. And I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. And at the time, you know, I, I was you know, I was a coach and I was learning some new tools and techniques around sort of getting rid of fears and changing mindsets. So I was sort of very much in the mind space of trying to understand what's going on in our heads to try and address it and bring about change. Mm. But I was still very much a student on this journey. I'm by no means an expert. I still am not an expert. I'm just kind of using what life throws at me to help me learn more about the human condition, to learn more about me, actually. It's a very selfish journey, I think, on many levels. And so I was wrestling with what was going on in my head. And I think the thing for me, the turning point came for me was when I was on another course about learning how to manage that chaos that's in my head, that was in my head, because it was certainly extremely chaotic in my head back then. And I was on a course... And somebody said to me, you know, because I was very open about my fears of birth and pregnancy. And I thought, hey, this is normal. Everyone is because childbirth is painful, right? I've got every right to be fearful of this. This is normal. And somebody said, well, no, well, no it's not actually. You don't have to be fearful because it doesn't hurt. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Say that again. You're telling me that childbirth doesn't hurt. And she's like, yeah, no. I've given birth twice. It was painless both times. And I didn't have any drugs. It was completely natural. And I was thinking, she is pulling my leg. Like, what planet is she on? Mm -hmm. And um, she said, no, I I used hypnobirthing. And I was like, hypno what? Tell me, what is this? Tell me more. And so I immediately dived down deep and learned about hypnobirthing. And more specifically, how is it possible to give birth and not be in pain? This was a real, because I realised that one of my fears was the pain bit. And I am such a wuss when it comes to pain that I was, I need to know what this is. I need to understand how this is possible. And that kind of triggered a, a huge learning journey for me where I really started learning a lot about birth and what's this hypnobirthing thing and how does it work? And what does it mean that if you do all this stuff that you might have a pain-free birth? I really needed to understand this for myself because I realised that the heart of this would be something that would help me embrace birth a lot better and I needed to because at that point I couldn't even read about birth without crying. I would be, I'd worked a lot in London at the time and I'd be taking the tube, the, the underground and, you know, they leave newspapers on the seats and there's a London newspaper called the Metro and you know, I often would pick one up in between stations and there's always a story in those papers about a woman giving birth in a taxi or never, right. you know, in the back of a car or something. And and whenever I read those stories about women giving birth, I'd just start crying. And I was yeah. like, this is weird. Why am I doing this? Yeah. I At work, when I used to work and pe- mums used to bring in their little newborns having taken time off work, I could never hold a baby because it, it just would make me cry. And so I realised I had some real weird stuff going on in my head when it came to birth and babies there was something that 
that was quite deep rooted in me that maybe not everyone experienced. And I realised that I was going to have to dig deep to try and figure out what was going on for me. And this was part of my journey. And I would need to face this because at some point I was going to have to have this baby. Do you or did you, I guess, ever explore what your own birth was like? No, and I no, I didn't. And the unfortunate thing for me was because I lost my mum over mm-hmm. 10 years ago now, I never had the chance to talk to her about my birth. I never had the chance to, yeah, to find out what my birth was like. And, and so it was a big unknown for me what my own birth was like. And since doing this podcast, since learning about the importance of our own birth experience, this is something I really, you know, I wish I'd been up for having babies sooner so I could have had that conversation with her because that conversation can never be had now. And so I need to try and find other ways of finding out what my birth experience was. But I do know that when I did some work to clear the trauma of my own birth, because even if I don't remember it consciously, my body remembers it, my emotions remember it. When I did come to clear that, it was very, very big for me. It was a huge, the trauma of my own birth was hugely significant and was a big part of my own fear of my own birth. How that is I don't know or what happened Mm -hmm. to make it so traumatic I have no idea but I know that my body as a baby I felt incredibly traumatized by that experience and I was carrying that with me all the time and I didn't realize it until I was pregnant that it kind of showed up for me so this was an interesting journey for me to be on absolutely you know so you you had such a gift to to have run into this woman to share her story and I it pains me that more women don't hear the positive birth stories. Um, And I, you know, through my years of teaching prenatal yoga, I would hear just such negativity, uh, especially in the Western world. You know, it's that you're, when you are going to give birth, you go to a hospital and you're sick, you know, they treat you like (laughs) they don't treat you with uh, this grace that we need as mothers. So for you to have run into this woman and to have her share her story uh, again was golden. Mm, Completely. completely. And what the um, one thing that was really interesting for me was that when I learned about hypnobirthing, obviously one of the key aspects of hypnobirthing is that you use self-hypnosis or hypnotherapy to bring about a positive birth experience. And so that means using hypnotherapy or self-hypnosis to clear your fears. Because one thing I learned about hypnobirthing, which listeners to the podcast will know, is the, the link between fear and pain within childbirth. And so But here I was, I wasn't trained in hypnotherapy and I wasn't trained in self-hypnosis. And, Mm -hmm. but I was in the middle of training in this really great new technique for clearing fears and anxieties and stresses. So I thought, well, I'm just going to make up my own version of hypnobirthing. But instead of using hypnosis, I'm going to use this new technique that I'm currently training in, which is called reflective repatterning. And so that's what I did. I decided to use reflective repatterning to clear all my traumas and all my fears that I was facing when it came to my own birth and my own pregnancy. And that's where I started my journey in facing my fears straight in the eye and say, okay, what are you scared of? What are your deepest fears around this? And let's just knock them off one by one. And and that is the beginning of the fearless birthing. That That's the beginning of it all. That's when I started using myself as a guinea pig to get rid of these 
dark, deep fears that I had and to prepare me for my own positive birth. Oh, and there's such power in that. Um, you know, I know people listening here today want to hear how that manifested when the labor actually started. Would you mind sharing your story sure. around that? Absolutely. Well, I remember the, you know, I spent a lot of time, I don't know, yeah, a lot of time clearing my fears because I had a ton, a ton, let me tell you. And so the day that I, I think five days after my due date was when I was just going downstairs, getting ready to meet a friend for lunch. And I was getting a glass of water by the sink and I noticed that my waters broke. And I, the first thing that came, my the first thing I remember experiencing was utter joy and excitement. I remember just feeling so, yeah, so excited. I was like, I'm going to meet my baby. I'm going to meet my baby. This is just so exciting for me. And there was not a grain of fear anywhere. I was just, it was pure excitement. I remember thinking, I'm going to go for lunch with my friend because she's had two kids. So she's a great person to be with if this is labour and it's about to start. And I'm going to need all the energy in the world. So (laughs) we went for lunch, having had my waters break. And so that was what lunchtime, you know, one o'clock or whatever. And she came back home with me after lunch. And I remember having to lean onto my breakfast bar because I couldn't stand up straight at that point. I was like, yep, these contractions are picking up. And so then from then on, it really got, you know, I then got to three contractions in about 10 minutes by about three o'clock. And so, yeah, called the midwife. And I started trying to track my other half down at this point because he wasn't <laughs> home. <laughs> He was at our business club in town and, you know, he should have been on high alert. So I sent right. him a text, you know, you would, you would hope that the guy is at this point, right? So I sent him a text and I didn't hear anything. And I was like, what is he doing? Like, he should be checking his phone at least every 20 minutes, right? And I, after an hour, I hadn't heard from him. And I was like, this is crazy. So I ended up having to go onto Twitter and hashtag him <laughs> and hashtag my business club and go, has anybody seen him? Because if you can, tell him to ring me. I'm in labour. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. And then yeah, 10 minutes later, he called me going, what is it? I've just ordered a burger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he got home. He wolfed it down. I said, no, you eat your burger. You're going to need the energy. You come home when you're ready. Um and and so yeah, then he came back and he started getting the pool ready because we were going to have they were planning on a home birth and I want we'd ordered a pool so he had to get all that ready, and um and the midwife must have arrived around about four I think I don't know and it was all going very well you know the pools ready and I I went in and out of the pool and I remember feeling you know it was a lovely September day the sun was shining through the curtains the midwife was sitting there knitting in the corner drinking cups of tea it was very calm I was breathing like as you would you know breathing and just focused very inward and very calmly and just just it was a very interesting time like you know I feel like it was just this very special space where you don't really know how much time is passing you just stay with your body stay with your baby you're connected feeling your body it was so magical it was so magical and she kept checking me and I I said I don't want any examinations I don't want you know I don't want minimal interference you just don't tell me what my dilation is I'm not interested just want to be in the present and I was able to stay very present and very connected and I think that really really helped me because I certainly didn't feel I don't think it's anything that I would call pain every now and then I demand that my man would come over and stroke my lower back because I really felt the contractions in my back but I wasn't I didn't feel it was painful it wasn't unmanageable at all um, and things were moving very well. Now, interestingly, the midwife decided that 
the little one's heart rate wasn't was dropping a bit so she decided that she'd call the ambulance in and she let me know and I went yep no problem just let them give them a cup of tea let them sit in the lounge and later on she said to me that's I've never had that normally when we let women know that the ambulance coming they get very stressed and labor slows down I was amazed that you didn't even you weren't even bothered that they were there you just kind of yeah carried on she says I've not seen that before and it didn't really mean anything to me at the time you know um but things carried on and, and it moved on into the transition phase where it started getting a little bit hardcore, let's say, and a little bit more intense. And I reached that point. I remember reaching that point thinking, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't right. have any more energy. I don't have. It just felt like such hard work. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the pain that was was causing me challenges because I didn't feel it was pain it was that kind of the force that I needed the focus the energy the pushing energy the it was all that I was like I don't know if I can push anymore you know that's that's what I remember from that first birth and um, we did move on one I was sitting on the Barcelona chair because we had a Barcelona chair that I was using to squat against and my partner was holding my shoulders and the midwife said to me, look, you've you've been pushing two pushes and the little one's not come out. She's crowning, but you need to you need to push the baby out. If the baby doesn't go out in the next contraction, we're going to have to go to hospital. And I remember thinking, there's no frigging way. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here comes that energy you need. <laughs> I am not. And then I realized in that moment that I was fearful and I was fearful of the ring of fire. I don't know if you've heard of the yes. ring of fire. Yes, I've experienced the ring of fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized that that fear of the pain of the ring of fire was holding me back. And so I immediately went into fear clearance mode in between contractions at that moment. And yeah, I cleared my fear of the ring of fire. And in the next contraction, she was out. She just wow. plopped straight out onto the floor in the kitchen, not onto the floor, but, you know, caught by the midwife. And and so she was born. And so my labour was six hours from, you know, beginning to end. And it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. And I, yeah, it was that final bit that I think was the challenging piece for me um, in terms of getting through the ring of fire. But what an amazing experience. What an amazing experience. Oh, and, and it is. It's it's indescribable, really, uh, you know, when we go through this to really put it into words that everyone can fully understand. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, the, that technique of being able to be in the moment, having that new fear pop up um, and how you cleared it, is that part of the core work of your fearless birthing Yes. Class. Okay. So the technique that that I've already mentioned, which is reflective repatterning. So I kind of adapted this to birth and and adapted it fully to work for me and to make it really easy to use because it is a very complex technique. It's used now by very experienced therapists to help people get over things like uh, PTSD, you know, um, rape and really bad traumatic things and and but also just to get rid of stress in your life it's a very powerful therapeutic technique but I didn't need all that power in birth I didn't need all of that I needed to simplify it and make it really easy for me to be able to use for such a moment and I, mm-hmm. I was aware because I'm such a fearful creature generally and I still am I think this is why I'm being given such work because I have so many of my own fears that constantly need clearing that um I I needed to make this really easy to use so that I could use it 
in between contractions and that's exactly where it came into its own for me when I needed to use it to clear that fear because if I hadn't used it then I would be off at hospital in an ambulance giving birth in a hospital environment who knows how differently that birth could have gone right right you know oh and it's it's good for everyone to hear or to be empowered as a mother you know who's going to give birth that she holds the power and you can still continue to source and get what you need to have that beautiful experience. Yeah. Um, so I love that you're teaching this and, and simplifying it, you know, for mm. such a time, for mm. such an intense time. Mm. Because really, you know, to share, and I don't know, you know, I'm curious with your, your uh, second birth, you know, did you take the time to prepare your husband with some of these techniques to help you or did you continue doing this work on your own? I continued doing this on my own because he, well, I talked to him a lot about it, but he could see that I had it. I said, you've got this. I don't need to worry about you. I can be there for you. And I trusted Mm. him implicitly. He's a very strong character. He's very caring, very loving, very supportive. And so I knew that he he would have been worried if I'd been worried because he would have been worried about me. Mm. But he wasn't worried about me. And so he could just do what needed to be done. And I knew that he'd be able to do that. So the important thing for me, what worked well for us, was that I needed to make sure that I was in a good place because this was happening to me. I was the one birthing the baby, not him. And he, you know, he was he was supporting me and helping me and but I was the one that had to do this so I had to you know I was the one that had to dig deep and face my demons because this is my work this is the work that I needed to do so yeah but for my second birth you know I the great thing with the technique at the heart of the work that I do is that once you clear a fear you don't really need to do it again it's kind of cleared it's no longer a trigger for you So interestingly, in my second pregnancy, I was very kind of calm about birth. I was very excited about it. But I had a whole new bunch of fears this time because one of them was, what if I can't do it again? What if the first time was fluke? What if none of this stuff works at all? I was just lucky, you know? (laughs) Uh, How how many years apart? So four years. So there's a four-year gap. Yeah. So And also, in the meantime, I'd become an older mum. So yeah. every time I was at a midwife appointment, I had these very fear-based messages being coming my way. You know, you're going to have to come in at 38 weeks and we're going to have to plan an induction because you're an older mum now and you're high risk and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I had all this new stuff coming in that I wasn't subjected to first time round that I had to manage in my headspace as well. I had to remain very calm because I knew the importance of being stress-free and calm and how it would impact labour. And having these negative messages come in was not easy, but it was a great test for me. It was a really, it was an important learning that I had to take on board to improve my own, yeah, to improve what I knew about birth because ultimately everything, all the challenges that I had had helped me really to develop a way of working with women now that I know can, that addresses a lot of the things that many, many women get go through. A lot of women are subjected to fear-based messages from their medical teams and the people that they trust that are looking after them, but maybe that trust is misplaced in some instances. And so it's important mm-hmm. to be able to listen to what they're saying, not from a place of fear, but from a place of calmness, to be able to respond 
in the most appropriate way that for you and your baby rather than saying yes I'll do what you say because I'm scared and so I had to deal with a lot of new fears that were coming up for me you know one interesting you know I was told well in advance I'd need to go and see my consultant at 38 weeks because she wanted to talk about inductions and I remember thinking there's no way you're inducing me yeah not unless there's a medical need this birth is not a medical situation pregnancy is not a medical situation unless there's a medical situation you are not making this a medical situation so I did a lot of research around older mums the risk of older mums and I was very well informed at that meeting and I worked a lot on my own fears of being made to feel silly made to you know being humiliated made to feel bullied all those things that I was potentially worried about feeling because of how they can talk to you when they're wearing white coats you know they can speak to you in such condescending manners sometimes and I was experiencing that quite a bit that I really wanted to make sure that none of that would trigger me at a very critical important meeting you know talking about putting an induction date in my diary because I didn't want that Um, and I was amazed how calm I managed to stay in that meeting and and respond with a lot of the research that I'd read into and, and by being able to say you know, oh, let me just share with you what the consultant said to me. I just had my midwife check and my blood pressure was fine. My weight was fine. The bump measured fine. Basically, I had it all clear from the midwife. So she went through my list and said, yep, everything's looking great. But I just do need to let you know that obviously you're, because you're an older mother, uh, the last thing we want is for you to deliver a stillborn baby because that would be very traumatic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe I'm hearing this language. I can't believe you've just used the word stillborn. My baby can hear that. How dare you say that? She goes, well, the risk has doubled for people like you because the placenta will stop sustaining baby very, very soon. (gasps) Oh, my God. No, I know. And I was like, my goodness, is this the line she gives to all women? You know, and if I hadn't cleared my fears, if I hadn't done my research... At that moment, I could have easily gone, oh, yeah, no, they wanted to induce me the following day. And I could have easily gone, yeah, okay, if I was coming from a place of fear, but I wasn't. And I was Mm. able to come back with, well, actually, that research that you're citing is no longer considered to be relevant because it was in 1954. Um, And so when I was able to come back with some calm facts, she backed down completely and gave me another three weeks and just let me get on with it. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. So now that I'm able to reclaim my power and be very calm and clear with you, you're allowing me to just birth my baby in my own time. So there isn't a risk after all, is there? Right. And, um, she completely backed off and left me alone. Good, good. So, and yeah, I mean, and I, love, I love that you said reclaim my power because mm-hmm. you, if you really, really tune in, you know yourself and you know your child. And I, that's... I'm in shock that she was using that sort of language. Mm, I was. I couldn't believe that a medical, somebody that is speaking to pregnant women could use that kind of language, especially on the back of uh, a load of tests that said I was all clear. If I was a high Mm. risk because of health, if I was, if I had high blood pressure, if I had, you know, any number of complications that many women do experience, then that, that, you know, you could understand a little bit that she might use that fear-based language. But she had absolutely no reason to do that. The only reason that I was considered high risk was because 
on the D-Day, I was six weeks past my 40th birthday and 40 is considered above 40s high risk. So, you know, I'm not 45. I was six weeks over <laughs> at this line in the sand that they'd drawn themselves. You know, I was healthy. I wasn't overweight. I eat well. You know, I was having, I had a very good pregnancy. So there was no reason for me to consider high risk other than this sort of six weeks over my 40th birthday. So... Mm-hmm entirely unfair as far as I was concerned and if I wasn't so calm I would have been angry with her for daring to use that kind of language with a pregnant woman yeah. you know she should know better so um, that was an interesting phase and so from then on I was facing a lot of difficulties with my medical staff because they kept the next consultant I saw was clearly more experienced and more well researched and she they, they, they became very defensive very aggressive then I had a meeting with two consultants And they literally tried to bully me into putting an induction. And I spent a lot of time trying to understand, hang on a minute, you've got my due date wrong, actually. And all this hangs on a due date. And that's when I discovered the system that we use for calculating due dates, which amazingly is not based in science. And people have heard the podcast. I've got an episode that talks all about due dates. And when I realised that the due date calculation method isn't even backed by research or science. I was like, well, no one, this is crazy. Come on, guys. We're in hospital. You guys like science, right? So can we just maybe use a date that is based on the fact that I know I was conceived, she was conceived, baby was conceived on this date. Mm -hmm. And therefore that means that the due date is more likely to be, you know, a week or so later. Right. Because the due date is the, the key date that they use to you know if you're not if it's not born on this day then we will induce and so it everything hinges on the due date and so for me I felt I really needed to ask them to agree to change my due date so this forced me to become incredibly knowledgeable about risks of women in childbirth of risks of an older woman of the risk how likely is it that a baby is born over 40 weeks when is late is it 42 weeks you know I really had to understand all this quite thoroughly because I needed to defend my position from a confident place and not put my baby at risk so this was very I was going through all this trying to stay really calm and trying to prepare for a really positive experience but the medical team were not making this easy for me. No, no they weren't. <laughs> you know, towards the end, I was going in for monitoring every two days into hospital. And every time I went into hospital, I was like, now, if I break, if my waters break here, this is the last place I want to be. Get me home. I don't want to be here because mm-hmm. I just didn't like the hospital environment at all. And I felt very unsafe in there. I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be in my space where I knew I could yeah I, I would feel safe and secure where I knew that that would be the best place for baby to be born you know geez you know that's that's interesting you know did you feel like you were using the same techniques or were you adopting new strength and power from from new techniques to get through that stress because I can only imagine when you have this resistance on the other end and you're constantly having to butt heads with it how that can send a mom over the edge and into a stress fear-based state. I spent a lot of time using a collection of techniques that I that I now use with my clients. And so I was using the technique that it's the heart of fearless birthing, which is reflective repatterning. I was use I was also using a lot of um, the Emotion Code, which is a really great book by Dr. Bradley Nelson. And I was using that on things like my pregnancy symptoms, because you know when you're stressed, your body responds, and sometimes 
when you're pregnant, your body responds in crazy ways when you're stressed and you suddenly can't sleep because your back hurts and, and things like that. So I was using the emotion code to get rid of, you know, some of my physical symptoms that I was experiencing that I wasn't sure if it was completely linked to stress or if there's something else going on. But I was also using a lot of meditation and just mm-hmm. not, you know, just meditation focusing on the breath and just staying connected. And I used that a lot when I was going for monitoring because being in a ward being monitored with your baby and listening to the heartbeats and listening to the heartbeats of every other baby being monitored on the ward was also very stressful and they say to you well if it's over this number but below this number then then that's danger zone and we need to make sure that you stay within this range and of course you know the numbers are flying all over the place and every time I saw it go over the number or under the number I'm like what's going on is baby okay and I thought you know what I'm just gonna not look at that screen with the numbers on and I'm just going to meditate and stay calm because this is what I need to do for my baby. We just both need to stay calm and ignore all these external stimuli, ignore this external information. It doesn't really matter. I just need to be calm. And so that's, I think being able to kind of just go inward was really helpful for me to stay calm in those stressful moments. God, you know who needs your course are these doctors. (laughs) And these nurses and technicians, they're the ones who need to get rid of the fear. Can you imagine? Yeah. They are living in such a, a fear-based state. They are. I know. I know. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, so, you know, you have two beautiful children, though. So um, that's really all that matters. Mm, and mm. I, I would love to hear about the second birth and how yeah. that works for you well in the days leading up to the birth I was dealing with this hospital you know going in and out but I was also spending a lot of time talking to my baby and I'll just you know one of the things that I felt was really important during my second pregnancy was communicating with baby a lot so I spent a lot of time in the days leading up to birth speaking to my baby saying hey you know we've got this you know what you're doing and I know what I'm doing and together we are going to bring you out safely and smoothly And I would have this dialogue several times a day with my baby. And as I was also, you know, monitoring my own fears, um, I would also monitor any fears that my baby might have because, you know, babies are human beings too. They have, they're picking up on our emotions while they're in our tummy. And, you know, my little one had to sit and listen to that consultant talking about being stillborn. I mean, that would scare anybody, right? So... I was also mindful that my baby might have emotions that might be getting in their way. And so I did have one day before the birth where I picked up my baby had a huge fear of being born. Um, And I was just answering, asking yes or no questions using muscle testing. That's how I was doing that. And so I'd spent an hour and a half clearing her fear of being born one day. And it was the next day that things started kicking off. And um, and also one of the things I talked about with my baby, I said, right, the first birth was six hours. Apparently, second births last half as long as first births. So I'm aiming for a three hour birth. Are you up for that? So basically, I was coaching my baby in in, <laughs> in planning and visualizing a three hour birth. And that is what we were. I'd always talk about it. It's going to be three hours. It's going to be smooth. It's going to be safe. It's going to be easy we're going to enjoy it you know I talk about this is all the kind of stuff that I was saying to my baby in the days leading up to birth and um yeah I, I started getting contractions on us on the Saturday and um 
And I knew that uh, I said, this is it. This is it. Brilliant. Because on the Sunday morning at 11, I was going to have to go in for another monitoring session. And on Monday, my other half was flying away to Sweden for a week. So this baby had to be born before Monday, you know. <laughs> and so we, <laughs> there was pressure. I had to stay calm in the face of that as well, which was not easy as well. Because I didn't. My dad was coming to look after me and I didn't want my dad to be the one at the birth <laughs> the dad at the birth not my dad you know yeah. so um yeah and then contractions kicked off in the afternoon and then they in the evening they all stopped and it was so I was like what you can't do this to me I thought you were coming what's going on and we had dinner and it was all quite not depressing but it was I was just gutted absolutely gutted that this was a false start, you know. So I went to bed feeling really down, thinking, oh, I've got to go into hospital tomorrow. And then I was woken up at like half one with this strongest contraction. And I sat there at the side of bed, measuring it on my app, because I had a, an app for measuring contractions. And then they were three in every 10 minutes. So I was like, hey, hey, you got to wake up, get the pool ready. And I don't know why we didn't get the pool ready in the day when I was getting these other contractions, but we didn't, we just left it. So then he's running off downstairs at like half one, two in the morning, you know, inflating the pool getting the water and all this kind of stuff and I just went downstairs on the sofa on my knees on a cushion just breathing on the sofa I just I just got on with it just sat there breathing and at some point some midwives turned up and then they just sat there and just let me get on with it because I had my birth preferences that said hey leave me alone and all I remember is checking with him is the pool ready yet is the pool ready and that's all I seem to remember and he's like, no, 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 we're just, the water's not the right level. And then the temperature's not right. There's all these kind of excuses why it wasn't ready. So I was basically just in my pyjamas on the sofa, breathing, you know, just breathing, staying connected. And um, and then I stood up at one point, looked at the midwife and she went, you want to push, don't you? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. She dropped out. That was oh, it. Wow. They literally oh, my had to God. pull my pajamas down because she would have just fallen into my pajamas, <laughs> you know. And um, yeah, the pool. I never got to the pool because it just wasn't ready. And um, <laughs> and the incredible thing was, is she was still in the amniotic sac, so she was born. And my partner looked because because oh. we didn't know what sex we were having. We wanted it to be a surprise. And I was like, "What is it? What is he?" Because I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was, he's like, I seriously don't know what I'm looking at. Because it was a baby in a bag of water. You it's, know. A, it's a calf. Or a, or... <laughs> so the midwives, they burst the sack and um, and then that's it. She came out and then and then she was weighing over. I was like, well, what is it? What is it? Because I don't know if it's weighing on me. It's weighing on me. And so, yeah, eventually I found out it's a little girl. And um, and she was given straight to me and, and we had skin on skin and, and breastfeeding. And it was all so lovely. And, um, and, you know, this was my due date was at September the 20th. And um, this was October the 5th. So I was 40 plus 15 and I was facing and I managed to get my induction pushed back to the 8th of October which I think is a record because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that was yeah well over you know 18 days past due date which um but I was confident that my baby was fine and there was no reason for us to bring to induce and mess with nature and I asked the midwives who were present at my birth to look at my placenta and say is that an old placenta to you because I want to know I want to know was my baby late or early they went no if anything, your baby's a little bit early. She's still got vernix on and your your placenta looks lush and healthy. There is no way that that was on the verge of not sustaining your baby. 
And that would just that was really important for me to know that because mm-hmm. I could trust my body and I was fine and all that pressure to be induced was just nonsense. It was just nonsense and I didn't need to go through any of that. But I'm grateful that I did because I learned so much. Um and it was an incredible birth. Now we were you know, we got to the bit after birth, writing down the bits like the weight of the baby. You know, everyone wants to know how heavy a baby is. I don't care, but everyone needs to know this stuff, right? <laughs> And then they, I say, well, what time was she born? And this is this is really weird, right? Because I was woken up at half one with my first contraction, and she was born at two hours at three twenty eight. Um, no, four twenty eight, which means she was born at two hours fifty eight. Oh. And we'd been visualising a three hour birth, the uh-huh. two of us, and the fact that she arrived without notice, you know. It was just one minute I was breathing on the sofa and the next minute I looked at the midwife and she knew exactly what that look meant. And she went, you need to push, don't you? And she shot out. And I just have this this I, this image of my little one being inside, kind of checking her watch, go, oh, crap, put <laughs> you out. It's three hours. i got to go. And then she just shot out. <laughs> now, let me ask, is she still listening to you that well? <laughs> She is quite, yeah, she is very, she's a very good little thing. She slept, she slept through the night from 12 days old. Very calm, very happy and a very, very, yeah. And she was smiling from six weeks. You know, a lot of things that Mm -hmm. I've since read about when you nurture your baby and you connect your baby early on in your pregnancy and you acknowledge them as being little human beings, they develop a lot of their emotional language, a lot of their, you know, smile is an emotional, is your body conveying an emotion and the fact that she was smiling from six weeks is, is very unusual, apparently. But I think that's because she was in touch with her emotions because I was inviting her to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I love having heard these stories. This is great. So, oh. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I would urge women to visualize a birth, not necessarily where it's happening, but how it's happening. For me, it was, I want it to be smooth. I want it to be fast. I want it to be safe. And I want it to be enjoyable. And it was all of those things. When I was, I didn't feel any pain whatsoever during that birth. And I was euphoric when she came out. I was buzzing. It reminded me of my days when I used to go out clubbing. And I was a naughty university person going out, enjoying myself. That was what I experienced during that birth. It was a euphoric birth. And I'm sure it's because I had no fear. I mean, I'd been working on clearing pregnancy and childbirth fears for a long time now. There was nothing left in in my body in terms of fear. And I'm sure that helped me to have that amazing positive birth experience. Absolutely. Well, taking control for one and being empowered with information. I mean, you're doing such good in the world by helping people. I mean, I personally have recommended your podcast to pregnant mamas who've come back and said, I listened to your story and I listened to other stories and it was exactly what I needed. Um, because we don't, again, we don't hear enough about the truth, the truth behind birth. We Mm. hear textbook facts and information Mm. and statistics. Mm. So I, your stories are amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to share that with everyone in your audience. Well, I want to thank you, Jennifer, for being my, for coming on the show and being my guest host as well, because without you, I wouldn't be able to share the story in the same way. So thank you. Oh, well, hey, this was, this was great. I can't imagine spending 
What I mean, I'd rather be doing this than some of my work. <laughs> <laughs> Am I avoid? Maybe I'm avoiding something, and I need to. <laughs> well, I look forward uh, genuinely, Lex, to hearing about the fearless, the launch of the fearless birthing program, and I. Oh, had I had that program um, before? You know, in my pregnancies, I, I I had a lot of support, and I was lucky in that that I had a pre and postpartum doula. But there's so there's no, you can never have enough support, and I think this is that missing link that women need. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can't wait to hear more about the success stories that come out of this program. Well, thank you, thank you for um, coming on and, and and talking to me about it. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing my own birth stories. I must say it was a little bit weird talking to, you know, being a guest on my own show. But um, I hope that that was worth worth it for you to hear my own story as well. And I feel it's a nice way to end season one of the podcast to have my own story featured. Um, if you have any questions at all of anything that I talked about during my birth, then you know, you know where you can find me. You can email me at alexia at fearfreechildbirth.com. As I mentioned before the interview, you know, when I listen to this again, there's so much more that I actually want to say, um, but I'll save it for next season. So yes, this is the end of season one on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Uh, season two will be back in 2016, uh, hopefully in the first few months of the year. So I'm working at the moment to pull together episode ideas and looking at guests right now. So if you have any requests, anything, that you want to hear more about any topics that you want to learn more about then do let me know here at the show um and also just to let you know i am uh, i do have my fearless birthing uh, three-part video coming out very soon again i was meant to do the video for that this week but my little one has been crying in the night and my eyes look terrible you can hear it in my voice i do not look good enough to be on video so it's down for next week so goodness I hope I get this out by Christmas I know I've got some of you have emailed me going I really want to see this video I'm doing in January I'm thinking oh my goodness the pressure I'm under right now is just too much but I am doing everything I can to get this to you really really soon so um, but you know when you've got little ones it's very hard to predict how your day or indeed how your week goes so I am working on that so if you want to be on the waiting list for when it's ready then you can find a link to the waiting list at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash waitlist and I also have a link in the podcast show notes for today's episode which will be at fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash lex that's me lex okay thank you for joining me on season one of the fear free childbirth podcast and I will see you next time bye for now thank you for tuning in You've just been listening to Alexia Leachman from the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. If you enjoyed the show, she'd really love it if you left a review on iTunes or Stitcher or shared it with a friend. And don't forget, to get a free chapter from her book, head over to fearfreechildbirth.com to get your copy, as well as finding other episodes in this podcast and more about how Alexia can help you with pregnancy and birth preparation coaching. Until next time.